Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're pleased to welcome from Daytona, actually from the Speedway still, longtime Fox Sports insider Bob Pockrass, who's still in the midst of wrapping up. Well, Bob, let's start there. What was this Monday like for you? <laughs> It's been a long Monday. Uh, you know, rarely does NASCAR have double headers. They've never had double header with the Daytona 500 because they know that even if the Xfinity Series race gets postponed, it's postponed to Monday because the Daytona 500 is such a spectacle. But with two straight days of rain, NASCAR had two races today, 800 miles. They were going to go the Xfinity race and then the Daytona 500, but rain this morning resulted in them doing the Daytona 500 and then another 300 miles with the Xfinity Series race. So long day, but they got through it. And let me tell you, I think that it actually turned out better for them because fans got to spend a couple hours on the track during the pre-race that they maybe wouldn't have had if it was the second race of the day. And they just had a, a great atmosphere, even for a Monday race. How many fans were able to be there once the 500 was pushed to Monday? I would say it was probably three quarters full. I'd say it was 70 to 75,000 fans. Um, the place seats over 100,000, you know. Uh, so I, I, they had a really solid crowd for a Monday race. It was certainly a dramatic finish, as always, right? This is typical of the Daytona 500. But with nine laps to go, there was an 18-car pileup, a wreck that takes out 18 cars. And there were some big-time names in there, like Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano. What was the reaction to that moment with just eight laps left? (laughs) Well, I I think people are used to wrecks on the final, you know, near the end of the Daytona 500. Uh, everybody's pushing, trying to get an edge. And, you know, when one car goes around, you have, you know, a split second to try to react. And once other cars start going around, it's just bedlam. And that's what happened. And, you know, the drivers, they they get out of the care center and they're, you know, they just kind of hold up their hands and say, you know, that's, that's what they sign up for when they come to Daytona. They know that there's going to be times where they get caught up in a, 18 car pile up and there's not much that they can do for whom was this the most disappointing to not be able to finish <laughs> oh i'd say uh as brad Keselowski, you know oh for 14 in this race he's come so close he was running about third or fourth at the time you could kind of see that he had another shot to win he's been close here before but as he says about this race this is a race that chooses you to win 
you don't necessarily win it yourself. <laughs> and as he said afterwards, it's another year where it wasn't his day to be chosen. When you win it, your career is never the same. And that was the case for someone new on Monday. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio and Bob Pockrass, who is our favorite NASCAR reporter for Fox Sports and is still at the track after the Xfinity race. So William Byron ends up taking the checkered flag and he used to run cars on video games and that's how he got into it? Yeah, that's kind of the new age uh, NASCAR driver in some ways. And there's some that have followed in his footsteps, but he pretty much learned the basics of his craft um, racing online. And in, I mean, very sophisticated online games, but still they're so close as far as just, you know, developing hand-eye coordination and knowing when to, uh, when to break that driver that people can learn. Now, obviously you can't get hurt playing a video game, right? <laughs> so when you crash, you can be a little more fearless <laughs> racing a video game than you can in real life. He realized that this is his passion and you know, we ask him all the time, did your parents ever say, hey, get off those video games? And he, he jokes, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit, but I think they saw something that uh, he enjoyed doing and saw, and eventually they realized that he had a, a skill at it. And so, you know, when he was maybe 12 or so, you know, he starts racing actual race cars. And by the time he's 19, he's in the Cup Series. And by the time he's 26, He's a Daytona 500 champion. I mean, he's a bit of a wonder, Ken, when you think about how he got his start. He didn't come from one of the established racing families. And as you point out, at 26 years old, he's not just a winner, but he's a driver for Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, that's the tradition in NASCAR. People saw that he had a lot of talent early on. He he drove for Dale Jr. in uh, on some of, on some of the short tracks uh, here. And I think people saw that he had a lot of potential he handled himself very well. He was able to land some sponsorship and, and move quickly through the ranks. And it didn't come easy for him the first few years, but it doesn't for a lot of drivers. And he has continued to improve and improve and improve. They matched him with crew chief Rudy Fugel, who was his crew chief when driving for Kyle Busch in the trucks. And so the last three, four years, they've been really strong. He won a series best six races last year. But, you know, people still, you know, but finished third for the championship. And, you know, maybe people still kind of overlook hmm. William Byron. And obviously that's a mistake. Already seven seasons at the cup level. And he drives for Hendrick, which immediately means you have the best of the technology and the personnel. And this comes on a memorable day for Hendrick Motorsports. 40 years exactly uh, since his first cup win. And I was trying to think about what he means to the sport overall. But you're the expert, Bob. What does Rick Hendrick mean to NASCAR? <laughs> a lot of people call Hendrick Motorsports the New York Yankees. So, I mean, I guess he's kind of George Steinbrenner, but maybe without some of the drama. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, what he means to the sport is, I mean, the thing is that Rick Hendrick grew up in Virginia down, you know, down the road from Martinsville Speedway. And he has always loved race cars and he started out in powerboat racing and he's always loved to race and he's you know, a successful businessman with bunch of car dealerships but he just he loves to race and he obviously loves to win you know, when you talk about the person who brought jeff gordon four cup titles jimmy johnson seven cup titles 
several other titles with with other drivers, including uh, Terry Labonte and Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. Uh, his it's it's really hard to measure his impact on the sport. Saw him there at the track. I don't know how often he is there on hand, but how involved is he still at his age? He's still involved enough to uh, know what's going on with the team, and he's hired Jeff Gordon to really kind of oversee much of the business side and and the day-to-day operations. Uh, You know, Jeff Gordon's an equity owner in Hendrick Motorsports, uh, but, you know, Rick is still still – involved and if he feels like he needs to get a point across to somebody <laughs> he he can do it he doesn't need to ask Jeff to do it he, he can do it and you know people people love to work for him because he uh he supports his his people and he you know people feel like they he treats them right and people I said are very 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 loyal to him and you know and continue to just uh, love working there not to mention continue to be successful considering <laughs> his track record over 40 years bob pockrass is still at daytona has a flight to catch in a few hours but is with us here after hours on cbs sports radio there's been so much transition among drivers in the past few seasons and of course a bunch of retirements who would you say is the most popular, most recognizable, maybe the most high-profile driver that's still remaining at the cup level? That's a great question. I would say, well, you know, Jimmy Johnson was in this race, but he's only part-time. So I would say he's probably still the most recognizable of anybody who raced today. But among the full-time drivers, I would probably go with Kyle Busch. He's just because he was the M&M's guy for so long. So all the kids would love to watch Kyle Busch. They root for Kyle Busch because he was the candy man. Now he's no longer the candy man, but a lot of, uh, he still has, I would say he's still probably the most recognizable uh, face in NASCAR. There are still a couple of grizzled veterans, if you will, right? So you have a Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin. You mentioned Bush. He's been around for a long time. Joey as well. The younger generation of NASCAR is really rising up. Who, in addition to William Byron, are the budding superstars? Well, I mean, you look at Ryan Blaney, who won the championship last year, uh, Chase Elliott. I still consider him budding, even though he's one most popular driver about six times now, ever since Dale Jr. retired. Mm. And then I think you look at Ross Chastain is still trying to figure out where that line is between being aggressive versus over aggressive. But, you know, when you have uh, when you have Pitbull as your co-owner, you know, people are people are going to watch. And he's really come on the scene to. uh to kind of upset the, you know, the status quo the last couple of years. Launching forward now into the full season, what are some of the other top storylines for this year in NASCAR, Bob? I think the top storylines are going to be uh, the challenges NASCAR has faced on the short tracks and road courses. They haven't gotten the car to race as well as they would like. They're making some rule changes, and if those rule changes work, uh, it really could uh, set the tone for you know, incredible racing week in and week out. Um, and then the other one that I think everybody is looking at is, you know, will this be the year that Denny Hamlin wins a title, right? We start off, <laughs> we start we start every year, I think the last five or six years with that as the storyline, because 
one of the most winningest drivers uh, around. Um, I want to say he has 50 wins or so, 51 wins on the cup level, mm. but no title. And you just wonder, is this going to be the year he gets it done? Kyle Larson is making headlines even now in February because he wants to be the next guy to try to run both the Indy 500 and the Coca-Cola 600, which is obviously 1,100 miles on the same day. It comes up in May. What type of challenges does that pose for him in terms of training and testing and just the logistics of it all? I don't know. I asked him if he had started any fitness regimen the other day, and he looked at me and said, Bob, I'm ripped. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Um, but, uh, but actually he had just tested an Indy car at Phoenix and, and it did strain his neck a little bit just because he's just not used to those types of, uh, of G forces in an open wheel car like that. So those are the types of things that he'll learn is just, you know, what, what types of muscles he, that he doesn't use necessarily on the stock car side that he'll use on the Indy car side. Uh, but he he's he's a guy who just kind of goes with the flow. He'll he'll be ready. Uh, the biggest challenge will be logistics and going back and forth uh, during qualifying weekend to uh, the All Star race in North Wilkesboro. Then obviously race day, um, the Sunday Memorial Day weekend when he starts out in Indianapolis and then mm. has to get to Charlotte for for another six hundred miles. Gosh, it's been a while, right? Tony Stewart did it, but it, has it been over a decade since anyone's tried it? Yeah, Kurt Busch did it in 2014. So he's the last one wow. who uh, who tried who did it. Uh, you know, it's just it's the thing is that you want to do it with a good team, and not necessarily those rides aren't always available. And the thing that Kyle Larson has is he has Hendrick, his team behind it. They're kind of partnered with McLaren, so they know they're going to have a good car. He has his sponsor from NASCAR and Rick Hendrick's automo- automotive side. So you know, so there's no there's going to be no angst right between the the stock car side and the indie car side. And that's really what you need to be able to, to do this. Well, Mm. last year was that first Chicago road race, the street race in downtown. uh, And it ended up with a ton of rain. Was that a marquee event enough for NASCAR to try to attract uh, even greater attention, more people this year, if the weather holds out? Oh, I think absolutely. You know, there's a lot of questions going in. And, you know, a lot of questions about whether NASCAR could pull it off. They had never done a street course race in, in their history. And and it, and the first practice day, uh, you know, it was, it was just the, the images were, were unbelievable. And then after the rains uh, ended on that Sunday, they were able to squeeze the race in before it got too dark. And, and the drivers put on a heck of a show. And I think if it's sunny and you got the the concerts go on as scheduled. It, it just can be a great festival, and and you really got the feeling while you were there that uh, that while people seem to maybe be annoyed at the start of the week, by the time they saw the cars on the track and saw them go around and just uh, and just kind of the wildness and craziness and the challenge <laughs> of it to the drivers and just seeing you know everybody wishes they could drive through Chicago at you know, a hundred miles per hour, right? <laughs> and then to see people actually do it and race, it was, it was just, it was thrilling. And the thing that made it so cool for NASCAR is that they just, they hadn't done before and don't do it on street courses. It's just not something that they've done. So to see them do something different uh, and, and in one of the most iconic cities 
in the U.S. was was really neat to see, and you know, really looking forward to that event. I just think it'll be um, it should be a, a marquee event uh, if the weather stays mm. okay. NASCAR expanding beyond what traditional fans have known of it. And one more example before I let you go, Bob. We know that most drivers have a podcast, their own digital space to communicate with fans. Uh, but there's also a Netflix series now uh, that's called NASCAR Full, Full Speed. Excuse me. Uh, is there a buzz about that? Do you think NASCAR drivers and fans are into this new series? Oh, I think NASCAR drivers and fans are certainly into the new series. I think the, the question remains is, how many new fans will be attracted to NASCAR by the series? How many people who maybe watch it with friends who maybe never been to a race will say, hey, now, hey, can I go to a race with you? Or certain drivers seeing more uh, more fans, uh, you know, either purchasing their gear and, and that kind of thing. So I think NASCAR is still kind of waiting to see the, the impact of having a Netflix series. Uh, it certainly can't hurt. It, it certainly has energized the the fan base that's here already Mm. and now the question is just can it grow how much can it grow the fan base Mm. more of these top storylines for the nascar season uh with bob pockrass of fox sports he's got a link on his twitter uh because he's on top of it and you can follow him at bob pockrass and we're always excited to have him not not always on a monday after a postponed race at daytona (laughs) when he's still at the track and has hours to go before he catches a flight you are a trooper you are certainly uh one of those guys that works tirelessly especially this weekend so we always appreciate a couple of call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game you have 47 new voicemails Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. That's Bob. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. Bob Pockrass is going to be awake for more than 24 hours. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> and yet bringing it, bringing the information and the good setup to this NASCAR season. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 